All great successes have a long-winded story behind the madness of research, refinements, and practice before a victory becomes a reality. Minds race, sleep is lost, and dreams are made possible only through years of a driven workforce that often includes other people than yourself, such as the great success of tarpon angler Dr. David DeLue and Captain Scott Collins. Their initial quest was to just compete at a high level, be respectable, but for a period of three years, they ended up being the most dominant team to win the biggest tarpon fly tournaments in the world, let alone all three majors in one year. Unequivocally, they changed the game of tarpon fishing on fly. Here's their story. We hope you enjoy. We broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. We broke the whole thing. We uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls, and whoever had the biggest pair of panties won the pot. I knocked another arrow, and he turned around the other way, and I shot him going through the other way. So I double lunged him both ways. But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on. All right, now we're going to teach him a lesson. I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet. And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App? And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. <laughs> There's something fishy going on here. Dave DeLue, Scott Collins, two of the guys who changed the game of Oceanside Tarpon Fishing. Without, a, without question, you guys changed how the game has been played. I mean, over the course of three years, you won five tournaments. Your pedigree is outstanding, winning eight tarpon tournaments and five permit tournaments. And, um, a, and a bonefish tournament. And a bonefish tournament. slipped in a bonefish there, which yeah. is not my forte. What was that? What, the fall fly. Shit, if it was a spring flower to trade you for something. <laughs> right? <laughs> I never got a spring flower. Three, want, three times second. I'm trying to have them bring that tournament back because that's one we're still going to fish. You know, Greg, are gonna, we're scheduled to fish it if we can. The if spring they bring fly? It, well, we, yeah, if they did would they, have it. Did they make it go away? It, it faded away for a few years. Yeah, and then COVID crushed it, you know, so it um, participation's down. So they they tried to have it this year, but it just didn't work out. But they say next year they're for sure going to have it again. Right. Well, for everybody who's watching and uh, are tarpon fishermen, they these two guys figured out how to fish very sophisticated, stubborn, clear water, oceanside tarpon to the point that they started to win all these tournaments overnight. So the, you guys changed the game. But it was not only you two guys, and we'll get into this, and then we want to dive a little bit deeper into, you know, tournament fishing and right. the methodology of it. But tell me the, the people that were involved. And I know I wrote this article for Tail Magazine. I spoke to you, Albert Panzola, mm -hmm. Carl Wagner, right. and Neil Light, who designed the Wormfly. And, and some of that history, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on, and those guys could tell you more. But, you know, you said, you know, we changed it. I would say we brought it to the forefront, you know, I mean, we exposed it because um, 
when I first started guiding, I started guiding in 05, you know, and those guys were just coming into the, to the ocean, using the, you know, using the worm fly. And, um, and I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have it. I was, I was playing catch up, you know, with those guys and they didn't just give it to me. So you know? you're talking about Punzo and Carl Wagner. Pa- pa- Albert Ponzoa, Rich Keating and um, Carl Wagner. Those three right. guys, they were the ones that, you know, because they were already, they already caught fish, you know, and then they got into this and then they were exposed to the worm. I believe through Neil Light right. handed him one, one time and, um, you know, a tiny little rabbit strip or something. And they're, they're like, man, they're never going to see this thing. And, you know, it was lights out. Um, and um and then of course they just started perfecting it and they were i mean they were just they were crushing them you know all over the everywhere they fished and i was just like and i was playing catch up and luckily i I, they you know i was new at guiding they knew who i was you know i grew up around those guys but and they um you know uh, they weren't handing it to me you know i was still new they didn't know if i was a short timer or what you know and so i had to earn my stripes a little bit right and then eventually you know i just things get around you know and and through their clients um it just got exposed to me and and we just started using it more and then dave and i we used to fish and talk all the time back then and dave would dave was tying my flies in the middle of the night in the er and and everything i'm like okay i got this check this out you know and, and he would uh get a whole new batch for me you know or whatever and we'd go out and whether i was trying it with my clients or or, or he and i were trying it um and then whenever he and i got on the boat you know you know fishing with clients is one thing but then when you know from the day first started fishing, you know, we um, recognized the way he could cast, you know, neither of us knew how to actually finish the game on anything, right. you know, but I'm like, this guy can throw the whole fly line, you know, right. with ease, you know, and he could, just got better and better. So we would take that and we really learned how to use the worm and, and, um, and developed a lot of techniques, which, you know, a lot of those, we still hold close to the chest today that we don't tell you know that and things that um way we figured it out and and, and use it so effectively so we'll have a little the more pop appeal are <laughs> we'll get yeah, those that secrets well, you know what out. Uh, i don't want uh, i'm gonna get to you here in a second but no i want to gold i, I want to so you know good. so let me let me so when i first spoke to and i've known what you guys everybody knows how how much you did change the game and how powerful your entrance into tournament fishing was uh, you guys were the first team to win all three tournaments: mm-hmm. the, the Gold Cup, the Golden Fly, and the Holly. First in the time same ever. Year. In the same in the year. Same year. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah. um, uh, or I meant to say. Yeah. And then Greg Smith followed it up. So there are only two teams that have done that. But right. let me back up a little bit. So when I started this article, I called Ponzola because he gave a certain colored fly to Carl mm-hmm. Wagner. Mm-hmm. Carl Wagner is a fireman. Uh, part-time fishing guide and before that even started to take place Carl Anderson uh, the inventor who invented uh, the bucket and a couple of other things he used to fish the gold cup he was always a double hand stripper right right from and up north from striper fishing yeah, striper believe, fishing right. and he was fishing feathered flies with two-headed right. stripping and we was right. always I used to always talk to Tahara about this and thinking that's kind of weird you know right but he fished with Carl Wagner the fireman so Carl saw well, him stripping. Too. yeah I believe in Albert too. And Carl was a, uh, from what I know, I never fished with him and I never really knew him, but he was very, he liked trying all kinds of things. He would use wire, bite tip it and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, he stuff. was. He used to right. drive Albert nuts. Like, let's try this, let's try that. And he would do the two hand and you know, they were using more mouse flies back then. Right. And, which are slow stripping, you know, you don't, they're big, they were huge flies and, right. it, and it, and it worked with that. And then, 
you know, as the worm came along, it, they were already there doing the technique. You right. Know, and it just dovetailed right with it perfectly. Because Albert said he was never a two-hand stripping guy, but Neil Light mm-hmm. brought him, the, Neil Light was a, one of his anglers, a California guy that was yeah. a steelheader. He tied this certain colored worm fly. Right. Ponzola said they threw this worm fly out and five fish raced to eat it. Right. But right. let's also, too, let the audience know that we're talking about the Palola worm. Right. So Palola worm hatches on the full moon in May, the, the new moon in June, and possibly the, the full in late June. But it's a, the back end of the Palola worm is called the Apoki. So it breaks off mm. that main worm on certain tides, and all these fish gravitate uh, to the big channels to eat these worms. And I'm sure you'll agree that there's got to be something to these worms why all these fish and all the keys come to eat them. And mm-hmm. I think right after that, too, it's a full moon. They go offshore into 400 mm-hmm. feet of water and spawn. Right. Do you think... So anyway, let me... Before I ask you that question, these fish know it's like crack to tarpon. Yeah. And now once you understand what the worm fly is representing the apoki, the tail end of a palola worm, and how aggressive that these fish eat these flies. Now everybody's throwing these worms 90% of the time. Right. We used to always target you know, fish during the hatches, but now right. it's almost omnipresent. Yeah, and the worm fly is not new, you know, because for my whole life growing up you know, around down here, everybody had worm flies. But the, and this was the main difference, I will say, with the, one of the biggest things that I even had to wrap my head around, which Carl Wagner used to tell me, you know, that, um, and those guys used to do. So it used to be, you had some sort of version of a worm fly. All kinds of guys had them, right? And you just didn't throw them. When did you throw them? Well, when there was a worm hatch or something. Oh, hey, there's a worm. Get the, get the uh, worm fly out. What changed differently is, is nowadays you go out, you'll go out there for nine hours and you'll throw the worm fly all day and like carl used to say you live and die live and die by the worm and you may throw it for five hours and they won't bite it they're not they're just not ready to bite it and if you keep doing it and then for the next you know four hours you may or maybe you throw it for eight hours and there's just nothing just something do you stop and you keep going keep going and then for that last hour bam 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 you, do you know? think it's a tide difference as to when these fish eat the palola worm i think like it's maybe a, moon, a lower it's, lower tide it's a moon phase i mean i've seen them um, eat it and then go ice cold with it you know like um like say if you're off the moon do you throw the worm fly well, I'll throw it all, all the time. Yeah, you know, too. you can force feed them. I call it force feed them. You know, we used to always say that, man, just yeah. force. You get it just perfect. They cannot resist it. It's in their DNA to, to react to it, right. you know, and you can sit. And and I think there's certain times of year where they, they eat it less. And, and there's no doubt. I mean, I, I can always tell what time of year it is by the carpet under my gunnels. You know, <laughs> I got I got every color, shape thing going under there because you'll try it all. And you're right. just like, man, we've thrown you'll throw the worm over and over. They're just not eating it because it's it's too early. The water temps are low or something. You know, there's no doubt you get in late May and June. They, they start they start eating it better, right. you know. Um, and, and But that was the difference is that you would just live and die by it. I, I will say that I was thinking today that when we first started fishing the tournaments, we weren't just throwing the worm. Yeah, I mean, no. I will say, because we were, we in the mornings, we'd throw mouse flies. We would go on the backside and throw toads and stuff. And, and, and then we'd come on the ocean and throw them, you know, because we didn't, we just, we, 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 had, we were, of course, trying to figure stuff out more, sure. experimenting, but we're like, man, I know they eat black and purple over here. Let's do that. Or let's throw a chartreuse over here on the backside. And then, you know, in the morning, low light, black and purple. So right. we didn't always throw, always throw that. I, I would say now I'm more, 
I'll, I'll say lazy and just yeah. throw the worm all throw day. Worm. Well, <laughs> you, know? Then, you know what? Let me back up just a little bit yeah. and then we can go on because the story between Neil Light bringing the, that, right. that certain colored fly to Albert, right. he gave it to Carl. You didn't have it yet. And if no. I'm not mistaken, Carl's anglers, uh, Carl was overbooked and a couple of his anglers fished your boat. Yeah. Yeah. And you were fishing, if I'm not mistaken, you're somewhere yep. around yep. there. Yep. The fishing were, the fish were coming, but you weren't really getting them. Right. And they asked you if they could try their worm. And they yeah. tied it on and yeah. you started whacking them. I was Carl right, calls I was, you I was the right phone. in front of Carl, yeah. And, it, we, and, and I remember it was kind of like uh, seeing something for the first time. You know, I, uh, I'll keep it clean, but it's like, you know, when he first pulled it out. Because we were experimenting with, um, you know, different worm flies and stuff. And then he pulled out the, you know, this one that we're using back then. I was like, oh my gosh, I like... We were a long way from creating that yet, you know, and he puts it on and it would like glow in the water and he threw it out there. And this fish turned, you know, almost 90 degrees and just came a gobble it. And I'm like, whoa, you know, we, we caught him. And, um, and then we, he did it again, you know, right away. And I was like, um, uh, it happened right away. And then my phone rings from the boat back behind me and he's just like, Carl, you just, yeah, Carl, Carl did you just catch another one? I'm like, yeah. On what? On the worm? I go, yeah. He goes, let me tell you what, buddy. You better not be telling anybody about that thing, you know, or, or whatever. And, uh, um, he was he was reading me the right act. I'm like, dude, dude, dude. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm happy. You know, no, I'm going to show the whole world. We're going to win every fucking tournament for the next 10 years. Well, and it's funny. I never meant... Uh, I never meant to do that because I never felt like it was mine, you know, and I have, right. I, I didn't, I wasn't out there to show or, or show anybody about it. And those guys were always supportive of me. Sure. You know, they never gave me grief. No, about I, it and I stuff get and, all that, but know. come on, you're going to be fishing the gold cup with this, this cat here pretty yeah. soon. And now you guys get together. Uh, before <clears> we get into, you know, the refinement of your techniques, mm -hmm. how did you guys find each other? I mean, you're a, an emergency room doctor up in Charleston. What's your fishing background? How do you how do we do we evolve to win the biggest tarpon tournaments in the year of the year? That's a, a good question. Um, I mean, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, I was a kid who this is no exaggeration. When I was like twelve years old, I'd read every book. I mean, every book in the St. Louis County Public Library on hunting and fishing. And for me. You know, what struck me as the thing that, that I wanted to do most was I wanted to cast a fly and I wanted to shoot shotguns. And like 40 years later, I joke that nothing's really changed in my life and it hasn't. And it's sort of a long evolution story, but you know, back then there wasn't the dissemination of information that there is now. You know, you can go on Instagram now, you can go on the internet, on YouTube, you can watch Silver Kings, you can read all your magazine articles. You can essentially teach yourself how to fly fish or tarpon at a high level. That wasn't the case back then, especially for some kid growing up in the Midwest. So, you know, I, this was something that always struck me as something I wanted to do, you know, watching Billy paid videos, you know, casting a fly in my front yard as if I was basically saltwater fishing. I think Scott and I actually met, believe it or not on on like a fishing forum Florida sports and fishing forum I had bought my super skiff and I'd post a picture of it you know I was proud of it I wasn't guiding it you know I was still um uh I was you know a software developer back then <clears throat> thinking about fishing not really paying attention to my uh code that I was supposed to be writing but um uh, so I, we'd be on the you know back then fishing forums and online stuff was big so we'd get on there and talk and I and all of a sudden he emailed me you know this is before you were a guide before I was a guide yeah because I had I had left here and went to Florida State and got a degree um 
and one of my degrees was in um, you know information technology. So I, I was in consulting world for a while, writing code and traveling around, and and uh, that kind of slowed down. And I was working at FIU, I guess, is where I'd ended up um, working on projects there. You know, but in, uh, back then there was that was BC before kids. You know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, every weekend, every moment, you know, we'd be down here, you know, fishing and, and stuff. And I had another. And who's we? Uh, really, my, I had a buddy, and I got into the offshore game for a while, um, but. Uh, I was doing inshore and offshore uh, a friend of mine tim we, we used to just um i mean every waking moment we were like we both got jobs started making money and it's like we weren't buying houses and, and investing in the future we were buying uh, boats and, and and reels and stuff and um and uh, so we were just fishing all the time you know whether it was on the flats or offshore um and then and i would post some stuff and, and one time i put it just a picture of my boat i didn't really post a lot of stuff you know and then he just emailed me he said hey um i got i just bought one of those you know used one for- yeah i mean i had fast forward like i'd moved to nashville i was already a doctor and i bought a super skiff believe it or not from a guy in south carolina when i ended up moving and by this time i was fishing i had an opportunity to go over to the bahamas and work as a doctor in a clinic at actually at cat key right near bimini and by this time i was trailering my boat down the Miami river and barging it over to cat. And then I would put it in with a golf cart and I would go bone fishing with the super skiff. I did that every month wow. for four months in a <laughs> That's row. That's pretty cool. And so I, I remember I saw Scott and he had the super skiff. It was super trick. You know, mine was just a couple years older than his. And I emailed him and I was like, Hey, this dolphin, you know, it's not getting as shallow as I want for these bone fishing. I'm bottoming out. Cause they get really shallow you in this ne- area. You need to shit them. Yeah, well, I need to, help. I had, I had I need to throw to, it in there. To, <laughs> so if we started talking and, you know, he's like, this guy's got a super skiff. He's fishing in the Bahamas on his own and he lives in Nashville. I think it kind of piqued his interest. And then we finally talked on the phone and then he's like, okay, now this guy can memorize and recite Billy Pate Tarpon videos. <laughs> he's like, yeah. there's, there's something right. a little bit unusual going on here. Yep. And then, Maybe like we, he said, we met actually for the first time within walking distance of my house at at Jimmy's, as Ray used to call it, but uh, at Old Wooden Bridge. Old Wooden Bridge. There, we went out one time. Yeah, we, we were just like, yeah, let's get there and go fishing, you know. And and uh, so this is before you were a guide. This is before you had ever started. I never, I never tarpon fished really much. But well, a little bit. I did. You know, I never really had an opportunity to go tarpon fishing until I was older. Right. Legit until I finished residency. I fished home assassin for two days. I just picked a guide sort of at random. Interestingly, the day I was there was the day Jim Holland Jr. caught the world record, right. which I thought was kind of interesting. I wasn't there to see it, but it happened that day. Right. There were some big fish around that week. I oh, know. my gosh. Yeah. That was, this was, did you hook any big ones over there? I didn't hook. I fished for two days. We got a couple shots, and that was it. Did they scare you when you saw those two I fish? I mean, they were <laughs> they big. They were pretty big. They were right. legit right. big. Yeah. Right. But we never. And then, so we started coming down here, and. Actually, Scott and I did mostly, we did a lot of permit fishing yeah. when so we first guys, started. You guys learned together then. Yeah, we really did. We, 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 we you know, because all of a sudden, you know, I got this boat and, and I, I want to, you know, I, I, I'm i intrigued by the game, you know, uh, of course. And uh, I guess secretly, I, I always, my whole life, I always wanted to be a guide. I never really wanted to be an angler. I wanted to be a guide. Growing up around it, I was intrigued by it, you know, as a kid. And um, that's interesting. His dad was Most a guide. Most people want to, okay, so your dad inspired you. Well, my dad was a guide. He certainly did. And, um, but the lifestyle, I mean, and I was living in Miami when I was younger, you know, and, and, um, uh, for some reason, I was just always intrigued by the guides. I, uh, you know, anglers too, but it was more the guides just because they were out there all the time. They were, with all the knowledge they had and the places they go and the things they did, you know, I mean, 
you what know, guys did you look up to? Well, when I was a little kid, you know, we used to spend our a lot of time in Alamrod, you know. So I used to go walk the dock at um, at Holiday Isle, you know, with the, with the boats hanging. You know, I, I didn't know anything else, you know. Of course, I, I grew up reading and, and about all the names from South Florida. You know, we grew I grew up fishing in the Met Tournament. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you'd see all the names, you know, you know, Ralph Delph was just some some mystical legend, you know, he was just covered it and all the other names that were in there, you know. Um, but um, but seeing the guides there, you know, they were guides and I, they intrigued me by that. It wasn't until later when we, I was in junior high, we moved to Marathon and um, then I started really learning about, you know, there's these guides, they trailer every day. You know, they don't just work out of a dock. I thought that was weird, you know. But then I realized who 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 that was. You know, I mean the the, the Steve Huffs, the Harry Spears, the you know all the all the guys back in the '80s. Um, you know, they were all parked out in front of Stouts every morning. You know, uh, and on my way to school, I'd see that every day. You know, so I was intrigued by that. And then I realized, you know, as a kid, I used to just study charts. You know, I used to read charts all the time. Uh, pa- what would, paper what, charts. I still have them all. What would you, you know? look at when you would see a paper chart? I, honestly, I would look. I was intrigued by all the islands and the flats and the channels, and I, I, I fantasized about going to every one of those places. Like just going there and, and seeing what's there and, and finding something special, um, and um, and learning my way around and knowing how to navigate around them without. You know, back then there was no GPS, so I, you know I grew up without a GPS, and I don't I don't run one on my boat. You know, I don't have one. So, just just running around and just going, they were mysterious. You know, that's kind of like these days. It's a little unfortunate to me when I see all the crowds out there swimming on the back, you know, the Gulf Edge out there and stuff. You know, the sandbar people, because that right. used to be, that used to be a special deal to go out there. You know, because it was far. Right. Um, and over the years, it's become less and less so. So, but do, do you but, find new spots today via Google Earth by chance? Or? Well, sure. You're always looking at Are stuff. You looking? You know? Yeah, I always look. And Google, I mean, the, the Google Earth was a whole game changer, right? Because right. you could really look at, at banks stuff and, edges. and just see where there's a little bit deeper water and edges and some light bottom. I mean, you know, there's. There's there's still secrets around. Everybody's got secrets. It's not where it's when. Right. You know, it's sure. a combination of the two. So you have to really know all that. But um that was, of course, I dove straight into that. When the aerials started coming out, I was re- I was looking at all those too. Yeah. But I'll still like pull out a paper chart and it sort of brings back memories, I guess, of just looking in the, oh, in cool. the mystery of, of of some of these spots, you right. know, and, and whether it was Florida Bay, the Glades, um, or in the Lower Keys, I used to look at it all, you know. So you guys learn it basically going back a little bit, tarpon fishing. You learned it together? Well, we started fishing. Or did you do it before? I was going to say that, you know, I got him on the boat and I realized he was all into it. He showed up with all this gear and he had a bunch of, a big box. Of, I didn't, of, I'd never really done it before, but, you the, know, I was just. You were prepared. I big, was ready. A you, big, you, the dream had been hatched many years ago. <laughs> a big box of what now we laugh at, big crappy flies, you know, and stuff. And it was just like, but then when he got there and he shot the line, I was just like, my jaw dropped. Who taught you how to cast like that? Me and those books from the library. Really? Did you tell me that you were um, like there was a pond on your on your, your dad's property, and your goal was it was about hundred feet across, and his goal was to hit the other side. Well, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know any better. They five weight was eighty feet. I said, well, if they made it that long, I guess you should be able to cast <laughs> it that far. Yeah, it's that long for a reason, right? And you know, like I said, there was you know maybe there was like the Mel Krieger casting video, but that was like about the only way other than a book and figuring out how to do it. Right. So I actually read, John O'Hearn would be proud of me, but I read Fly Fisher's Life by Charles Ritz and he, you know, fishing in the French Alps and learning how to double haul, you know, and that's, I was the, like, okay, that's what I need to do. And what's I the name of that myself. book? It's called Fly Fisher's Life, Charles Ritz. And he talks about like the Belgian cast and all these casts and I would practice and I would go out front and I would throw, throw, throw. 
And then I would go back inside and I learned over time that, you know, it wasn't just pulling on the line. You actually had to start, you know, you had to start your haul and it wasn't just doing that. You had your timing and over time I just developed an efficient way of casting. And that's what I really love to do. Mm -hmm. Even when I was in college at Michigan, I didn't fish at all. I didn't even have a car, but I brought my rod with me and there was a stream that went through campus and I would go down there and I would cast because I just enjoyed the, you know, the beauty and the art and the motion of throwing the line. And for me, saltwater fishing was intriguing because the fish are big and they're exotic and they're powerful and they jump, but also it puts a premium on casting. Right. And so when the, the two of those came together, it was like, it couldn't get any better for me. When did you, when, what was the first tarpon you ever caught? I caught my first tarpon on fly. My, my first little one was actually at No Name with this guy that I met on, on Big Pine who actually owned Ray Fetcher's old boat. I caught a small yeah. one. But the first big one I caught that I landed was at the pocket. Was that a fish that you always wanted to catch or you just wanted all of it? I mean, I think that definitely I wanted to saltwater fly fish. I think that was something that I wanted to do from a young age. But the tarpon was definitely something that I always thought about. I mean... You watch those Billy Pate videos, it's just captivating to see right. that fish. The I challenge mean, of giant tarpon. I mean, I saw them too, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Did, what did, uh, uh, what fishing show did you guys see that inspired you to, to gravitate to the sport? If there was one, I mean, for me, it was Walker's K and Flip. Well, yeah, Walker's K, there's no doubt that show was revolutionary. I mean, it changed the sport. I mean, it really was. I mean, I was already. Uh, you know, I was already gut hooked by then, you know, because that was, that was early nineties, maybe when yeah. that came out. And, um, you know, as a little kid, I, I would, you know, a book that stuck with me is one book I had was Stu Apps, little fishing, the Florida keys, you right, know, right. it had pictures in it and charts and stuff. And again, it had charts and it, and it described all the keys, you know, and I would, I would just read that thing over and over thinking, all right, you know, and I would sort of strategize upper keys, middle keys, lower keys, you know, um, but TV stuff, like uh, I'm trying to think of some of the Spanish early fly. stuff. No, this was way before, before Spanish that. Fly. Yeah. I'm so talking Kurt like Gowdy, American Sosin. Sport, American. Um, some of that, yeah. I would see some of that old footage, and that was intriguing to me. But the fly um, fishing the world, maybe a little bit. No, that was a, that was after Flip. Mark Sosin used to have. He had an early right. show. Yeah. Sure. You know, they were. I'm trying to think of what other shows. But back then, I mean, it was the Miami News. You know, you you, you picked up the Miami News and 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 you and and the uh, the Miami Herald. Um, what's the tide book, you know, that would come out every year. Mm -hmm. Like I'd get that and look at the pictures in there and, and, and read. And, and it was all about the tides and the fishing, you know, and, 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 uh, and Florida sportsman magazine back then was, uh, I mean, it wasn't all fly, but it was, it was a mix of that stuff. You know, it, but, I got that as a kid it was in Missouri. Fishing. I got yeah. Florida sportsman magazine and Chico Fernandez was a huge hero of mine. Yeah. Guys, this unbelievable light tackle angler in the Bahamas catching big black grouper on 12 pound plug and then fly fishing from his canoe. I mean, that guy was, he had such style and grace. He's I was a, a big fan. He's a huge uh, romantic kind right, of a... Right, right. He's unique. And, yeah. And that, yeah. He's got a lot of grace and style. Yeah. I love, I love meeting him and, and watching his slideshows, you know, and stuff. I mean, he, he yeah. takes a different angle, you yeah. know, of it. Yeah. If anybody wants to listen to our podcast with Chico Fernandez, it's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. when oh, he talks about good. growing up in Cuba and flying the kites. Right. They used to have these uh, kite fights. Right. And Matilda was this big, beautiful uh, kite he'd fly out of his window. <laughs> right. And there was another kite, a big black one that was cut because they used to have razor blades off the tail of their kites. No way. And they'd fly their kites and try to cut each other's strings. Cut the strings. other ones off. Yeah. <laughs> and this cool. one, one kite was really a bad guy, but his Matilda was a big, beautiful kite 
that he'd just fly and just this lovely, beautiful kite. And he was always worried about the, the you know, the black baron killing her. <laughs> and the black baron would come over and just romance his Matilda and it would go away. But kites, everyone kites are so to, romantic. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Chico funny. Fernandez is really a unique kind He's of one a of guy. a kind. He's yeah. one of a kind. He's well, very... uh, was it, so let's go back to, your guys getting together. Yeah, I mean, I, so I was just gonna say that you know, I got, I got. Here's somebody that like you know, I, I wanna. It was the, it was the perfect sort of matching. I mean, there's a guy he wanted to be a fisherman, and he was a fisherman. And he was a caster, you know. And I'm on the back of the boat. I wanted to, I wanted to pole every flat, explore every island, um, go, everywhere Everglades to to the Marquesas. I wanted to learn it all, you know. And and now I got a guy that can can throw like that. I'm like, well, we can make something happen. We'll get it in front of fish. You know, something's gonna happen. You know, so we just kept, we started fishing more and more. And, um, and I can say when we started fishing, like we didn't know crap, you know, no. we really didn't, we really, but we were hungry for information and we, we knew the right people, you know, I mean, I would, I was, uh, you know, one of the people that I, I would talk to and, and idolize was Ray Fetcher. You know, this oh was a guy, gosh. he was in his, uh, the, 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 the twilight of his career, you know, and just fished all the time. And, and, um, I was just amazed by that, you know, and he was a, a very underground, I'm like, I always wondered how a guy could be that good that people just didn't know about, you know? And well, the people it, that know, no people that knew they knew. Yeah. But he was not a big tournament guy. No, so, never, never tournament so guy. So that's why he could probably sneak under the radar a yeah. little bit better. And, um, what year was this when you guys first started tarpon fishing? Well, when we first started fishing, it was probably, I mean, I bought... 01, 02, around Yeah, about 02. Because yeah. the first tournament you guys won was 07? 07. Yeah, 07. So the, you uh, guys are... When we yeah. first started fishing, we did a lot of permit fishing in Key West. Scott was then and still is, obviously, a tremendous permit fisherman. And we probably caught 25 or 30 permit on fly we before really we did. really started. We concentrated on permit. Initially, we, we, we got sidetracked and started going to Perk because I was intrigued by Key West. I was just hot on Key West. I would wake up more every weekend just trying to Key West. You know, I was going down there going permit fishing. And um, and then we would go and, and we, we started develop, getting better with flies and getting some intel from people, you know, and and uh, we started catching them on fly, you know, and um, which was huge. That was a huge deal. This you was know? obviously way before strong arm flies and whatnot. We were yeah. still using legit old school Americans. And then we started developing some newer flies yeah that yeah. were sort of the precursor to strong arm yeah and there was there was a hot fly out that i don't know i think i don't know if dustin developed it or whatever but I think it, he was, did. it was a similar it was it was similar to that and and of course he was experimenting all night in the er there between uh in between, in between i did cases. work in the er didn't just tie flies <laughs> only, only when people came in don't with, say that too loud broken arms and I don't, if it got slow then cut I, off forearms you have yeah, to go during his, I mean, he would time. forego his nap time and then you know, which was allowed and he would tie i'd get a, a bio i always got the uh, little bag that said bio biohazard on it <laughs> i was like when i got the orange bag in the mail they said biohazard i was like score this is i mean stuff. he's an excellent fly tire well part of that was i did i mean i've been time flies since i was in fifth grade but part of that is that where the rubber meets the road and fly fishing is the fly because everyone else can can you can buy the fly line the leader you can do all that but the fly and how what you how you manipulate that fly in sure. the water the bait that's really the program and for me it was fascinating because even if i wasn't fishing i was able to send flies down and he would work test with them. them and test them and then it was a way for me to share in that strategy which has always been fascinating for me and i've always been very appreciative of that because we as anglers can never be as dialed in as the guides are with the tides and where the mm -hmm. fish are but if we can share part of that strategy it was always important to me to to have that whole experience that immersion and scott and i coming up together really allowed that for me and so it was you know it just fueled the fire it was uh the great synergy it was. I mean, it, it worked out. It was just the timing was great, you know. And, and 
And then we, we, we felt like, and after I'd started, then I started guiding, you know, and, and uh, that which, was just, which, so you're just fun fishing now. Well, we were just serious fun, fishing. fun fishing. Yeah, we were serious. You're not fun guiding fishing. yet. I, no, I was pretending to be a guide, right? I mean, I had the right. I had the. I had the boat. I had all the stuff. I. I knew where I was going. I knew how. To, I was always been a boatsman. Oh, you know, I knew, I knew how to get around, and and right. and I've learned from watching all the guys ahead of me. You know, and and um, Andy, yeah. I remember the first time we met. Okay, I didn't. I'd never fished with a guide in saltwater other than that guy in Homes House. So it was perfectly fine. But Scott showed up. He put his boat in the water super efficiently came right over to the dock his boat was immaculate and i still joke with him now he opened up his front hatch and he pulled out a towel for me to sit down on and it still smelled like fabric softener because it was so clean <laughs> and his boat like that all these years excellent. later yeah. and you know yeah. i got on the boat and everything was super clean and exactly where it should be and i said this guy he's got game this guy's serious he's gonna make things happen and i'd never we'd never met before oh wow yeah but I knew that, and, and it obviously has I, come I'm, true I'm in more, I am more anal about my boat and my equipment. Everybody kind of gives me grief about it. You know, my old boat, my old dolphin, people are always kidding me. You know, things 20, 21, 20, same boat, 22 years old, you know. Same and it's, boat. People can't believe that it, you still know, so perfect. it's still, I mean, it's getting older and beat up, but it turns yeah. yellow about now. But um, Like my teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, but, uh, yeah. So uh, talk about the progression. You know, the, the initial question is, how do you become a great tarpon tournament champion? How does this take place? How does it evolve? So now you're getting together. Well, I started guiding with encouragement from him. I, you know, he knew it was my dream and my destiny, I guess. You know, I, I wanted to do it. It was your dream uh, it, it to was win my a big dream. event. Well, to be a guide. I really wanted to be a guide. You when know? did the dream uh, of winning the Gold Cup you come You know, growing up, I mean, it was sort of a joke almost. A, a, a go like, oh, yeah, you know, in the Gold Cup. You know, and, and I'm uh, being in the Gold Cup was like, that was so, that wasn't even really... It wasn't on our in radar our wheelhouse yet. in our radar. You know, we not just, early. We, we just didn't think about that. You know, we were just trying to catch something. <laughs> you know, um, and I just wanted to be in the game. And and it's funny that boy, if I knew what I didn't know when I when I started guiding, really, you know, I would be like, dude, don't do it. You don't know shit. <laughs> you know. Well, it's interesting. I didn't. I mean, I was fishing with Harry Spear for seven years, forty days right. a year before I even heard of the name Gold Cup stuff. Right. Oh yeah. You know. So. Right. Most people that eventually do well in these things have got a lot of uh, time on the right. water with well, great guides. When you start, your world is right here. You know, you're, you're just on the bow or, or on the back of the boat, even as a guy, and you're just trying to figure out something, you know, you, right. that, all that stuff. It's like, what is that? That's like, right. that's next level, way next level stuff. So, um, so, you know, I just started guiding and, and I was just like, try, I was trying to get business. You know, I, I gave up everything I had, you know, I, I quit my job. You was know? that scary? Very. Yeah. I, and I, I, I can't tell you how many, like, uh, pro forma budgets I did trying to figure out how I can make it down there you know I decided to buy a house down here in 04 when the real estate because my wife's from here and we're like you know if we don't buy now we're never going to be able to afford to live down there you know we didn't know a crash so she's was smarter coming. than you yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure but she I would say she sort of allowed me to do it you know luckily I will say that I mean she's from here and um you know uh, all my in-laws live down here and that there was a certain sense of, you know, now that we'd gone up there and lived in the city and, and lived around some places, you know, to be back here and, and, and living in a small town with all our family around, nice. you know, we realized that's a good thing, you mm -hmm. know, and she's a school teacher and, and it's worked out great. The small town and having all the family around and, 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 um, you know, just having that lifestyle, you know, not living in, 
in 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 South Florida and the mainland, which has its own challenges. Right. Know? So, so I took the leap. You know, I I, I sold my house up there, cashed in, and uh, you know, and, and I talk to Dave all the time. I talk to my dad all the time about, man, do you think I should do it? Whatever, whatever. Are you, are you guys best friends? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, he's one of my. I mean. We snapper fish together. We go lobstering. He's been up deer hunting with me. Yeah, we do everything. I mean, we're 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 one of my two three best friends. You oh, know, that's awesome. we, we, you know, we don't yeah. I don't hang out with a ton of people. I have good friends, and he's. I mean, we we are. You know, yeah. but um, but uh, you know, I made the leap and I started guiding. You know, and and here I am just trying to do, and not knowing stuff and 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 you know, uh, thankfully I knew guys in the business. You know, like Albert and and Carl and those guys were sending me some people. You know, and and I was able to get going. But I knew enough not to just take the easy route of buy a bigger boat and go go bait fishing and doing all that stuff. I really, I think I knew enough at that point that, you know, it's funny. Here's a funny story that I bought my little dolphin super skiff because I always said that this is terribly ironic. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, my dad fished on the ocean a lot, you know, back then. And it was common back in those days that those ocean fish just didn't eat. You know, they were tough, you know, very tough. You're it, talking about the ocean tarpon fish. Open tarpon fishing. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'm buying a tiny boat that will sink out there and I'm just going to be a backcountry guy. You know, that's all I'm going to do is go in the back. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it's, we just stumbled into this thing, and it's like now I'm just like now I'm known as an ocean guy. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me ask you, uh, as far as ocean swimming tarpon, they yeah. co they're coming down the line, and you're looking for the line, right? How do you feel about going into the backcountry and getting into a basin and going and hunting, looking for a fish, right. pulling around? Right. There he is. Which which right. side's the head? You know, which is he facing? I mean, yeah. Uh, and I know, like John O'Hearn. He hates the ocean. Right. He cannot stand to be on the ocean. He wants right. to go hunting. So how do you feel about the dynamics of the two? Well, I w uh, because obviously, <laughs> you know, a lot of the great tournaments are one on the ocean now because we right. figured you guys, before anybody else really figured out how to how to catch right. these things, these on the ocean. Because but, of the consistency. Of but it. if you had a preference. Well, uh, I'll, I'll back up and say that. When I started guiding, a friend of our family, friend of ours, who was a guide in Alamorada, uh, Captain Dick Haygood, he, he gave me a little piece of advice when I started, and I'll never forget it. He goes, Scott, don't ever forget, it's, a, it's not about you, it's about the client. All right. And I thought, I, I, I sort of knew what that meant, but I didn't know. And now, to me, it's, more, it's become more clear than ever. My people, they have, let's say a guy comes out for six days, once a year, to tarpon fish. Um... Maybe I hate going on the ocean. Maybe I'm sick of it, you know, but I, how, where, and there's, uh, what's the report in the back? It's cloudy. There's no fish back there, but they're coming on the ocean and I can get that guy. He, you know, he's okay angler and we, we may catch three, four fish that week and get a bunch of other bites and stuff. We, I gotta go. He, you know, that's his week. He wants to catch him. Right. He cares less about where we're, where we're at. And it's certainly not where I want to fish. So do you think the guys who want to go hunt are a little bit more selfish? Um, they want to be satisfied more so and like you're you're thinking more on behalf of the angler well i'm thinking Show of the fish. angler and believe me the ocean these days is incredibly tough because of the traffic out there yeah i, I mean and it's a different style because you're waiting for the fish to come to you it's a different style of fishing and mm -hmm. and i understand that and i and believe me if the back was as as consistent and as good as it, it i would I'll, I'll say as you as it used to be i mean or when it's on, I go back there and I love it. I still fish back there, you know, and certainly all early season and, and when it's good in Florida Bay or something, I'm going back there because it's a it's a different environment. It's a different style of fishing. The bites are epic, you know, they probably, they miss the fly half the time, but that's worth it because the right. bite, 
you know? So in the environment you're in, you know, when I don't have to hear dump trucks going down the road and I'm pulling around, I hear birds and, yeah. you know, and some fish no, for kicking sure. around. I love that. Believe me, I love that. And I've always loved that as a kid, you know? How about you? Do you I have mean, a preference? You know, obviously I love fishing on the ocean and it's, it's, it's more accessible, yeah, right. you know, especially you can go out there by yourself and throw out the anchor and catch fish, which I do quite a bit. Um, but I love fishing in the backcountry as well. I mean, I think laid up tarpon fishing is, you know, some of the most exciting things you can do. You're taking this pristine, quiet environment. You're making a long cast. It typically has to be done on the first shot. And then, you know, as soon as you get the bite, it's just an explosion. Like Tom McGuane said, it's like pushing a piano off the side of a cliff. Right. You know, I love doing that. It's just that like Scott and I have talked about many times. You know, even Dustin used to tell me that he would fish in the backcountry a lot and didn't want to fish in the ocean as much. But that backcountry fishing is becoming compressed in the Keys. Mm -hmm. The time and the numbers of fish back there are just not there as much. The fish are swimming on the ocean earlier. They're bypassing areas that they used to travel more consistently. I mean, Ray would tell me he would fish south side of Marquesas and then they would swim, you know, and west of Key West. And then they would come up to Sugarloaf and then they would come up to Marathon and then on up to Duck. But... Now we start to see, you know, towards the latter part of his career, we would see him farther and farther up keys earlier and earlier. So Ray, the early Ray, season- Ray watched the fish disappear over 40 years from the, the West. The biomass. From the West. From the West moving more. Ray Fetcher mm -hmm. lived in the Marquesas in the, in the 80s, you know, and he's had to give it up. And then he, he went more Key West. And then that, and then he moved to lower keys. I tell you, it almost broke my heart one day. It was in April. I see Ray running down the ocean side in late April and off duck. You know, and I'm just like, that guy can't find tarpon in the lower keys. They're not there. So when he's up here off of, you know, trying to find a spot up here, I was like, oh boy, that's a huge sign. You know, that's, and I mean, and other guys have confirmed this, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Albert and Rich, I talked to them, of course, you know, we're good friends with them and they've just watched it happen, you know, things that, and so the front end of the season is, 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 is scary you know tarpon season's getting down and the, and the back end is going in july all of july used to be killer what do you think I'm this is it, do you think the biomass is, is I being think so. depleted I or think do you think so. they're just not here but they, they're either, not dying either, either relocated how well, we don't know that i mean just we, swimming in deeper water mm, I, don't, I don't think i don't give them that much credit they you know they're those damn fish they they swim no matter how much boat traffic and jet skis are out there they're going to swim over the same sponge every year on the ocean side you know now in the back you know they used to go be able to lay around in places and not be bothered well now they get run over by jet skis boats or somebody pulling on them you know in 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 early april you got to sit and wait for the guy the two boats ahead of you to pull through right so you can go in there and get us you know take your shot you know so they don't have anywhere to hang out is that running them back? But even bef before that, that's not even the, to me, they're not in the big channels early season. They are not moving into Key West Harbor, um, you know, uh, Johnson Key Channel. The, uh, the cruise ships uh, annihilated Key West Harbor. Yeah, maybe. And, and But like when February, fish used to move in, you know, yeah. masses of fish used to move into areas and sit in the deep water and wait for, you know, back in the day, we'd be March. Hey, let's go permit fishing. Okay. We'd permit fish all morning and there's breeze and all at lunchtime, the wind quit. Well, Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Th uh, throw some laid up poons that are floating up. Right? How much do you miss those days? Oh, I mean, huh? so you would have what's the ultimate day? It's afternoon, and and you're, and you're getting some laid up because now they're they're there in the deep water. But you know, as soon as the wind would stop, they would float up. Right. But if they're not in that channel anymore, you got no chance. Right. right? You can go hunt every basin, and there's there's some fish around. I mean, I'm not saying there's no fish, but I mean, you know, uh, 
that's where I'm seeing the changes early and late in the season. Yeah. You know? Well, let's get back to your dynamics because I want to get into the the tournament wins and how you've refined your methodology. Um, give me your your evolution of fishing together to get to the tournaments and refining the art of catching tarpon on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, who inspired, I mean, I'm sure you guys inspired each other, but who had, was there a vision that was collective? Uh, yeah, to, trying to keep up is, with Albert. I mean, we're like, if, I mean, trying I, to keep up with Albert? Albert, yeah. I mean, because I, like, I would hear what he's catching, you know, and and because uh, I talked to him on the phone when I wasn't catching, you he, know, the, he, those early days. He's really an under under the radar guy that is a oh super, super fishy, so in, fishy in all aspects and under the radar. He's not interested in all that, you know, the tournament stuff. He just, he, he does. And, but like, I'd be like, yeah, you know, we got this, this, and this today. And I'm just like, oh, man. And another guy like, you know, Ray, you know, I think Ray told me one time he used to average 1.1 fish a day throughout the whole season or something like that. You know, I, I was that's just like, I was number. like, I mean, you know what that means. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's a lot. A lot so, of bad weather days out there. They can be endless. That's what, There's a lot of zeros which bring you down, you know. Right. So, you know, with those guys, I, mean, I feel like I got I was lucky that I I knew these guys. It taught me what was capable. Right. On, on, on the upper end. And I, I never thought I would really get there, but I was like. That's something to strive for, you know. It set the bar up there, and and I and I knew that I loved that they were like underground guys. So it wasn't, it wasn't broadcasted everywhere. So not everybody had those same aspirations. Um, right. I felt incredibly lucky about that. And, and so, what and did Albert did too, teach you, know? you over the years besides the numbers that were possible? Um, I mean, just fishing in bad weather, you know, and going, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd say work. I'd say work ethic. Work ethic. You know, those guys. I, I mean, there's days where I'm like, oh, they are going. I guess we're gonna go, you know, or whatever. You're out there in this stuff, you know. Wow, you know. And but also too, I'm not gonna say where, but you guys had a really good honey hole, where you're not out on a beach somewhere and you're trying to find a line under, you know, a dark sky. Yeah. You guys have an edge where you've got a lot of fish coming by on a daily basis. Well, I mean, so that puts that that puts a lot of uh it takes off a lot of pressure knowing that they're going to come right to your boat. If well, I'm not mistaken, I'm or, not, or, or I, close I, to I, it. I, I, I don't know about that cuz we didn't certainly fish the same spot all the time, you know? I mean, uh maybe one you're thinking of to the uh, to the, the west a little bit that he and I never fished there. We still no. haven't today even fished once. No. You know, we haven't even fished there once ever. Um but we were fishing uh, you know, there's so no you doubt. Still find that zone. Grassy that's King. the zone, Andy. That's the zone. We never fished a during a tournament ever once. We've never even done it for fun. Did you do maybe it? one time? Did you uh, win with? Fun. Did you win with Ed Young down there? Uh, I did. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I won with. <laughs> You're gonna, have to, no. you're gonna have to get a different guy on. Yeah, more, yeah. more religious than me. Um, and, and because that was he convinced you. He was the yeah. preacher man. That's right. Come that's on, right. brother. <laughs> you, you knew that he had some influence. Find some you, salvation down okay, there. Okay, I'll take you to the honey hole. <laughs> but I, but I mean, believe me, I've died a lot of slow deaths there too. You know, yeah, I mean, I it, it, it is not by any means. It's like any other fishing spot. You know, once you learn it, fluctuates. it, and when it's on, it's on. When it's not, you you die a slow death. Especially late season, it dies out down it, there pretty yeah. hard. And, and so, trying to win a gold cup because Greg and I tried to win gold cups down there, and I was because I was more learning it down there. And I know that now I look back, I'm like, man, I was in, I was in, I should never have been there. I should have been grinding it out, where waiting for that, you know, up the road where you're going to get, know. you may, you're not going to get a school, maybe not, but a single, single mm-hmm. comes by, we're going to catch them. Right. Yeah, you know, we're going to catch everything that swims by. So just give me, give me bodies, give me a few bodies. 
as where, you know, you're getting in a place where they may or may not come. You're waiting for that payoff. It just never comes, you know? So, so we mostly fished, you know, we fished in the back some, but we fished up, up, up the road, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that was where I knew, you know, my dad fished there and I learned it and I was just working there day to day, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm just, we're going to go where I know, you right. know, I, I, and it wasn't, there was it wasn't really, it was popular, but it wasn't, you know, unfortunately it brought a lot of yeah. uh, notoriety to the place and it got crowded, you know, which right. is the game is so different today, you know, but I would fish a high tide spot for a while. Okay, the tide's changing. Let's run to a low tide spot, you know, or a falling tide spot. Let's get over there. Have, having that flexibility allowed us and to being step, able to get there. Where now there's a boat there. In my little, you know, my little dolphin, I could run over there casually. You know, I'd, I'd go fast, but I'm not. I'm not going like the guys are running today. But today, you don't move spots. You better get somewhere where you want to be all, all day. day. Yeah, you know, because you're hoping that okay, you can't move. You get, or you're going to be out. Can't you get know, back in anywhere. Can't get back in, and now you're now it's you're sitting there all afternoon when you can actually see. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're not in the right spot. That's now you're behind. Right. You know. So all right, let's get back to your evolution. So we we actually fished a permit tournament together in 2006, the Dell Brown, back when it was in March, not moved to July, right. and we, I think we got largest permit. We came in third. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't remember some of these. Yeah. And we were, so we were tarpon fishing at that time and doing pretty well. In fact, Ray had a client, very good fisherman of his, and he'd tell me how the guy would fish with an eight weight. And so I was inspired to do that. And, and one of Scott's clients invited me to come with on a half day and I'm out there with an eight weight, a TCR, my able number three and, uh, tarpon fishing, tarpon fishing on the ocean. Because Ray's client did it, so I said, "Well, I can do that too." And Scott's guy had a twelve weight with a thirteen weight line on there, and in a half day, I think we caught I caught like three or four to the boat on the eight weight. Yeah, and I started thinking about what we could do with this technique, and I had a little taste of tournament fishing with the Dell. But it's not technique; that's just the equipment you're talking about. Yeah, well, that was like what I did with what I meant by that was that I said, "Okay, I'm going to challenge myself even more with right. this." With this lighter, equipment, lighter, yeah. Lighter. I mean, I still use 16, so I wasn't I wasn't harming the fish by using lighter equipment. But I said, you know, if we can do this on a half day with this handicap of equipment, I was like, Scott, we can make something happen. Yeah, he pushed me to the tournaments, you know, more so. Oh, really? Yeah. Part of yeah. it was I, I said, you know, two goals that I had when I was learning to fish back then were... I wanted to, I wanted Scott and I wanted Ray to think that I was a good fisherman. That was a goal of mine. And I wanted, you know, I wanted him to benefit professionally from our relationship. And I told his dad, I said, you know, not in a way that was arrogant, but I said, you know, if he sticks with me, I'm going to make him famous. And it was like a joke. You know, it wasn't like I was trying to win tournaments. It was that was the motivation for me. So I said, you know, we can do this Albert style down here and we can be heroes or we can take it up the road, you know, where, where the big guys play, where you're playing in Paul Tahara and all the people that we were famous. And I said, we're not going to really be able to prove ourselves until we go up there. Correct. No. And so I remember this is actually funny. Um, I was driving over to get my daughter. She's 15 now. She was an infant. My in-laws were watching her. And I was outside 
I was outside their door late and I got in huge trouble for being late, but I was talking to Scott and this phone call and I said, he was already guiding. He had a different client. He already had fished the golden fly before me with this client who was not an optimal person for him to be guiding with. And I said, by this time we'd been buddies for like four or five years and talking all the time. And I said, this is crazy. I'm, I can't allow this anymore. I said, you and I have put in so much time and energy and effort into learning to fish together. I said, I'm calling Charlotte right now and I'm booking the tournaments as many as I it's can. It's a big commitment year. financially at For a sure. young age, you know, and, and you got family, we both had families coming up. And, and so I'm like, man, you know, I knew what the financial commitment was, you know, for him. So I never pushed him for that, you know, but he decided this is ridiculous. You know, I, I'm, I, that guy's in my spot, you know, <laughs> basically he took it. He took I mean, it I serious. remember Scott telling me how exciting it was when he's taken off in the- Were you apprehensive of the tournament scene? I mean, obviously he was all in. I, I mean, I was, I was nervous, man, all these names and the history. I knew about all that stuff, you know, and I used to always follow him. I never thought I was worthy. So for me, I was, a, I was nervous getting in them. You know, I mean, I told Scott's dad, I said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen up there. I said, we didn't think when we went up there that we were going to win. Scott was always were, like, were you guys shadowing the results and the fish oh, yeah. catches? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Time? Well, I remember we were doing well and, and it was kind of, we kind of joked to each other and I don't, maybe we were serious. Like, you know, I think, I think you even said it one time, like, man, we, you, can, we can go compete and we're not we're not going to embarrass ourselves. I think we can, so at, the, gonna, at a minimum, we're not going to embarrass so ourselves. So Scott, we're going to make a showing. But I remember that, you know, we were afraid of failure in a sense too. Right? Because with, with Harry Spear and I, too, we were talking, you know, I was fishing with him towards those, those later years and he was saying, you know, we caught five big fish one day and then he said, that's a gold cup day. Yeah. I said, what's that mean? We started <laughs> right. talking about the gold cup right. and then we started fishing uh, i think one week uh, the gold cup was taking place and we were trying to see how we right. would have done right and you guys were doing that too at the right. time yeah we, a we little should, bit we used to a little bit not totally straight on because we didn't even really fish I mean, the same hours the and stuff and, i mean once, I went, once that conversation happened then we started thinking about it but before that i mean a little bit i will say one story remember scott tells me this the no chance story where it hit a guide who was across the street from him was already fishing the tournaments and he didn't, he wasn't winning, but he was doing you know okay. Did make mention of that name? It was Chris Supley. Chris Supley was okay. that. Yeah. 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 He he yeah. Excellent fisherman. Excellent yeah. fisherman. Yeah. And he, he had a client fairly well known. I can't remember his name, but I think he, from South Florida. And Scott mentioned to him as a very new guide, hey, you know, we're going to fish the tarpon tournaments next year. And he said to Scott, and I remember Scott telling me these stories. Like, I don't even want to tell you this story because I know what it's going to do to you. And I said, no, I want to hear it. He said some bad stuff. <laughs> he said to you, you know, you guys against Andy, against all these other guys that fish 100 days a year and are as good as they are. He said, you have no chance. <laughs> you should prove them wrong. Well, well but I, and I use mm -hmm. that story a lot with my kids. I motivate them. That lit him up. You know, yeah. because I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you don't know what we're doing. There. Well, we he, were, Scott Chris, said, he's like, you tell that guy, he's like, listen, I, you know, I got this guy, you know, we got the system. Yeah. Yeah. We, we nicknamed it the system. You know, so but, tell me about the system. I mean, it, it's from beginning to end. You know, I would say it's, it's all about the, the cast, you know, the cast, the, the lay down, the, uh, the strip, the hook set, you know, the, um, all that. Talk me know. through it. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of fly lines are you using? How, what size of hooks? How long are your leaders? 
None of that's different than anything anybody is doing. You know, I mean, I don't. Do you like, have all clear fly lines? Uh, we use them. We would use them when it, when when we couldn't see the fly, when we couldn't see the fish. Right. We would use an all clear. But as, and we always said, as soon as we can see the bodies, we would immediately switch over to the full colored. Why? Because we both could knew see the nail knot, and we could find the fly, and we were. Like I said, we were slicing it thin. We were going to force feed them. So we were going to put that fly right there coming across the face. So there was no getting near them. We were going to, with the colored line, so, so you, if it's so, a single. Yeah. So you want to you get that, that worm yeah. sliding right across his face, maybe a foot in front of his face. Yeah. And whatever the angle is. Just you not know, pinching the eye. Just not pinching them. You know, put it, let's put and it right there. not too far right away. There. Right. So his reaction is, you know, just like that, where he just can't refuse it because his... His DNA won't allow him to refuse it. That's what you mean by force feeding. Yeah, force feeding him. Um, and, and, and that angle, you know, is extremely important. And I think the distance or the window of opportunity that, that fish sees the fly is is very precise. And at times, the fish had, if they had a bad attitude, you had to be very precise. Mm-hmm. Sure, sometimes they're going to get frisky and you can just get it close to him a fish length away and he's going to run over and eat it. But that's not every time, right. even back then. So it's all about... It's all about uh, not the arrow, but the archer. Well, I will say that, you know. and, and uh, Even I, though, too, you got to have the right worm. Right. But it was you putting the right worm in the right place. So I'm, was, I'm a big proponent of the of it's the Indian, not the arrow. You know, yeah. because, I, and, and and like, I don't know if this was a true quote or not, you know, that you had said that like, hey, man, let's all in the tournament, let's let me open up my fly box and let's let's all use the same fly. Because these tournaments, they're just not fair. You know, I, I never wanted an unfair advantage. You know, I feel like, you know, I want us all to be doing the same thing. I just want to do it better than you. And I feel that I still feel that way when he and I fish that I'm just, he and I are just better than it. I mean, it sounds cocky, but I'm just saying that we, we're going to do it as well as anybody. Let's all throw the same thing. Forget the secrets. Let's well, go do but, it. But once you start dominating, it's like, okay, we're, I'm not showing you my fly box. I'm well, not telling you dick. Yeah. Which, well, <laughs> it, right. It, now worked. you had the upper, the, the upper arm. Well, we did. We did. We did. But I said, we were still throwing other stuff and catching them on other, you, on sure. other things, you know? Um, but, but, you know, as, as, as physically good as Dave is, you know, he, he also takes it, he studies it. Everything almost overstudies it. Like, how am I going to position my feet? You know, where does the bucket go? What, you know, with the cast, the strip, what's the most efficient? You know, if, 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 uh, if this shirt is catching on my rod, when I, I, I need a tighter shirt, you know, or, or just every single thing. Did, he you, split did you get it. that from being a doctor? I mean, I think... I'm certainly somebody who is appreciative of details, but I think a lot of it has to do with, I want to have a total immersion experience in whatever I'm doing. You know, back in the day before I started fishing, I actually was, I had a dog and I was uh, a retriever trainer and I trained that dog myself. I didn't just cut a check to somebody and send the dog off for nine months and then bring him back and hunt him for a couple months. And then he goes back with him. I trained him myself with another group of people. And if I hunted, I didn't just, stroke a check to some high-end lodge in Arkansas and let's go shoot green timber ducks at 12 yards and we'll be back playing Scrabble by 8.30. You know, I said, okay, we're going to go to public land. We're going to do it the hard way. We're going to get that total experience. It's just like you two when you're elk hunting. Right. You know, you, if you're, you're over the counter. Yeah, over the counter. That, yourself, yeah, that bull I killed in 2017, you know, you and you show up and the animal's wedged halfway down the mountain, wedged under a log right. and you're by yourself and you got a Havilon and four blades. And nothing but time, and you're breaking it down yourself, and you're getting back to camp. You can't buy that experience. No, 
It's invaluable, the stuff Nikki and I have done together. And so for me, I think part of the reason, Scott and I talk about this a lot, is that a lot of tournament teams are very guide-driven, okay? I mean, I've seen where the angler makes a cast and hits the push-pull with the fly and potentially dulls the hook, and the guide comes down and sharpens that hook and gives it back to him. Scott and I were in equal. a sense, we weren't necessarily equal. I mean, I have a huge respect of what he's doing on the back of the boat, but we had a synergy where we brought input together. In so the- he taught you what an angler's po- uh, potential. Well, I mean, like, yeah, because I mean, he frankly, he would study knots, the flies, the le- I mean, he knew that better than me. And, and if, and, and, uh, I'd rather him get down there and rig all that and tie it. But number one, I mean, he's going to do it. He's, there's no, nobody's got a more passion of getting it correct than he will. I mean, I, I would try as the boat's blowing away, I'm trying to hurry up and get going, you know, but, but it also worked out several times our advantage where like, especially in the Holly, which is rapid fire, you know, we're like, he would get down, start rigging. I'm like, come on, come on. Cause I'm pulling after fish. Come on, come on. And we've caught fish with the tag in still hanging off on every knot. You know, throw it out there, boom, got them. Go grab them, break them off. Never even trim the knots because it was time. Now, if I was down rigging, we weren't getting that fish. You know, I mean, we were out of, we were floating away or something. You're sitting on the hook. You know, it goes, and that is all true, and I appreciate that. But in a sense, it goes beyond that because to overcome adversity as a team, you're never going to be super strong if one person is driving all of what's happening. Right. It's the two people together. You build something sort of greater than you can. The sum is greater than the whole of the parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a little bit redundant here recently saying that the greatest tarpon team or any tournament team is a guide that can find the fish that don't want to be found. And the angler is a guy who can catch the fish that doesn't want to be caught. Right. And now when you have equal parts at a very high level, that's a dangerous team. I mean, when I was competing, I I would see a certain team and I would be sometimes more worried about a guide than the angler because the guide can find fish that the angler uh, might not be able to catch on the ocean or sensitive fish, but he can find the fish that can be caught. I I agree with that. But when you find an angler that can catch everything that doesn't want to be caught and you can find every fish that doesn't want to be found. It's like, uh, right. Katie by the door. Right. I agree with that because you'd always, you know, and sometimes in the tournament you'd realize, Hey, somebody's that guy. Oh, that guy, he's fishing with some, or, you know, no matter if the guy, it's a great guy, no matter who his anglers, he always has potential to light it up. You know, he's probably, he's good enough. He's in the tournament. He's good enough to to catch him when they're there. Right. You know, so you don't want to fish against Steve Huff. No, right, right. <laughs> I, I'm glad I never had to. <laughs> Definitely. Well, let's get back a little bit to the methodology, you know, and then we're going to get into a little bit about, you know, um, the years. Yeah. And, and, and all, you know, you got in, you won, and then it was over. But let's talk about the methodology just a little bit more because I think a lot of people that like to tarp and fish want to understand, you know, maybe leader length, how you build your leaders, what size of flies. Uh, what you can give them to be to become better fishermen or is there a secret you don't want to no, I'm, I'm pretty i mean i'll be honest with you so the two things that i learned to as far as how i developed my tarpon leaders was number one was tarpon on fly rob's book and the articles that you put out uh about your yours and i took aspects from both of those and i created what i thought was the best for what we're doing right now, remember, we're fishing clear water ocean tarpon primarily. And so Bimini's, 
uh, twisted 40 pound butt sections. To me, that just looks like looks like rope out there. Right, right. And so right. I didn't, I did, so I'm, not, you, you, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, at the end, there's no double line off of a bed yeah, I mean, to, right, a, to a, right. a blood knot. We abandoned it all that. We just wait, we just want a little little football right. knot going through there. And I mean, know. like, so the improved blood that you use on the, on the sure. bottom of your leader, for me, that's the weak link. So why can it not be used on the top? Because right. it's going to break there, it's going to break there. And it's just less drag in the water, less things to catch weeds, less things for the fish to see. Right. You know what size shock tippet were you using? Well, we experimented a lot, but because primarily our goal was the weight tournaments. I mean, we tried eighty for a while, and the bite went way down. Yeah, and like Rob says, if they're going to chew through sixty, they're going to chew through eighty. It just takes a, maybe a little bit longer, and at times, sometimes it even doesn't do that. So we settled on you know you were using seventy Seagar at the time, mm-hmm. seventy and sixty. We settled on sixty. Right, we used a lot of sixty, which you know. I don't even have 60. And that's for a weight fish term. That's not the holly term. The holly, term. we would use 40. 40, right. Yeah, yeah. We're just trying to get the bite, you know. And but. hooks was, you know, hooks was a, a moving target. But, you know, there were there were hooks that we used. We had a little run where we were breaking some hooks and lost some good fish on that. But, what kind of hooks were you breaking? I mean, we were breaking the Gamakatsu, the SL12, the 1.0. Um, which is the greatest tarpon hooking hook ever. It I is. Well, you just had a bad batch, maybe. I think maybe that I've was never it. Brought. Although part of it was too, I, um, I was using a different kind of vice, and I went to the Dyna King, which I think is the best vice in the world, and it holds the hook with just a groove and very lightly, and because we were always breaking it right at the bend, and I, I postulated that maybe we either had a bad batch or I was putting too much pressure on them when I was tightening them. Now I haven't broken one in a while, but. But you're not still but possible. I think what breaks them is is the the quote uh, 30, 30 plus minutes of the quote down and dirty when you're putting all those angles the back ang- and especially forth. Especially if that hook is stuck in the upper lip right. of the bone, because you know where it breaks most up. times <coughs> is the tip breaks off, you right, know, right behind the barb, right, right, even yeah, around the barb somewhere. Like, but the point because it's which is left in the fish, right? So. But pulling left, pulling right, pulling backwards, you know, or the fish is coming at you and you're pulling like this, you know, and all of a sudden late in the fight, right before the grab moment, bink, it breaks. You know, do, do you it's change hooks or did you ever change your style of catching fish? We did both. I mean, we messed with hooks. I mean, and, and then and then later years, you know, Greg and I, man, we tried everything. We were, everybody's, we've all thought about, like Nathaniel's thought, you know, buying, having your own hooks made. You know, what's it cost to make our own hook mold? <laughs> you know, and. But what makes you guys think that you can design a hook better than the uh, engineers? Because maybe there's some balance of uh, rigidity uh, and flexibility in there to where they're a little more flexible, still sharp, same sharpness, mm-hmm. but, and you know, I'm a big proponent of a, of a beaked hook, you know, that, that's got a little curve to it where the point points back at the, so that's uh, like a, a various or what kind of hook is that? Well, I mean like a, like a, like a, an SL 12 when it goes, oh, uh, it, it's got a little it's, beak. But on also it. it's got, it's got a flat, a flat spot just in front of the barb to the tip. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a needle point. But it's chemically sharpened, yeah. But right. it curves a little bit, and I yep. think that's what grabs them, you I, know. I see what you're saying. But but that long needle point when it gets torqued back and forth, you know, have it's you ever break. done? Have you ever done this? Because Fordyce does this. He 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 takes the point of the hook, right, and he shortens it right. to the uh, to the barb, right. So he'll file that right. point off, right. So now even if you don't get a good hook set, that barb is closer to the tip, right, to the point. 
we did a bunch of i mean uh, uh we did a bunch of hook sharpening and stuff i mean greg and i got really into that he even put we have a, a on top of his console he has a vice mount we'd have a vice on the boat and would 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 uh sharpen hooks on the boat with the vice with a hook in the vice messing around trying to do all kinds of stuff but Who, I, who's more anal uh, uh he is oh wait wait one <laughs> i would never yeah. i would never take a chance on wasting time during the day to yeah i'm thinking hooks. i mean that should be done at night no, well I no they're already that. done but i mean we would we would resharpen them or just tweak stuff and maybe it's not during a tournament or something but right. you know and and also those hooks once you sharpen them and they get any if you can't use them twice because they rust, rust. instantly you know yeah. that like the uh, they got owner hooks and stuff like that yeah you know yeah but um, the but what I found with those that they fell out too much. Just they fell out too much because they did. You, they took away that beak. You know now you're sharp. It's, now it's a straight. J, you eliminate J that little that little lip. The the quote. It's got a little bit of circle hookness to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You it know. Does. But I find. Have you that, ever tried circle hooks? I have never tried. Never never been interested in trying that. You know, back when you were first using the toad, I think you used to tie it on the Tiemco 600 SP 10. Uh, some of the I, early. No, some of the early I was toads. all an owner guy. I was always an owner, and later uh, I became a Gamagatsu guy. Well, we, we the Tiemco, I maybe threw it briefly, but I was more. Well, we had the Tiemcos on the mouse, on the mouse, the mouse. fly, um, and and because uh, that's know, got a big uh, big gap. Tip it's a big fly, big gap. You know what I've I've learned is that the bigger the fly, which is it, it's counterintuitive, the bigger the fly, the the deeper that fly is going to get stuck down in their throat. We would all the time be into a fight and all of a sudden the fly would come out and the uh this much uh you know four inches of the shock is trashed right. he ate that big fly and sucked it in you right. know and it was down in that big hook found somewhere to stick in there um and they chewed through and they chewed through yeah now the fish that's like right now with a with a with a small fly you may not even need a shock because when they he eats it right it here. slides to the edge and it gets them around the rim that's what right. the small hook allows right. to happen well, let's get back to the methodology. Let's just say we talked about the leaders now. How long of a leader do you guys Well, use? and you know, that's that was the other thing too, because of needing to see that fly, which is essentially not visible. I standardize me leader lengths for various conditions. So, you know, super windy and I have a shorter leader. And then for your average So days, that's a 12-foot a leader maybe? 11, 12, right? Yeah, I mean, short fairly leader. short. For I mean, I'm talking windy. I'm talking 20 to 25, like it's blowing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like 10. 10 or 11. Right. You know, and then for average times, maybe, maybe 12, 13. And then if it's really calm, maybe a little bit more. But I'm not an advocate of super long leaders. Scott's the same and I, way. I can't stand them. If I if, can't if, turn if, them over in the wind. If I want an 11 foot leader for everybody, because I know at, 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 a, at, a, at a far distance, I know how far the fly is behind the nail knot. So, because most of my people, I talk, talk them into the bite, right? right. I mean, it's like, okay, bump, come on, bump, come on, slide, come on, slide. come on, come on, come on, slow it down right there, boom, you know, because I know where the fly is. Do you do that to is. him? Do you talk to him? I, I'll talk. And just for information, in case he's not seeing the same thing, he'll process it. Because I know. ask Nikki sometimes, do you like do you like where that fly is? Yeah, I'm and a, he'll say you're a little bit short. It's just a, I'm going to always talk. I'm going to talk and talk. But I know that sometimes these guys tune me out. You know, the, the better guys well, will tune well, me out a little bit. But see, but, here's what's but they're going to hear about it if they miss it. <laughs> <laughs> here's what's kind of interesting, and you hear a bunch of guys, you know, um, that are being spoken to, uh, that are really good anglers. Uh, by a guy that's telling him, okay, bump, 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 slide it, bring it, bring it, bring right, it. You know, right. uh, to me as an angler, 
I feel like that voice is stealing from right, me right. and my relationship with speaking to the fish. Because right. that's, as an angler, we are speaking right. to that fish, telling that fish, come bite my fly. Right. And if somebody's getting inside my head telling me what to do, and I already know how to do it, it's like, you're stealing. Yeah, like, well, but you're, it's, yeah. It's, it's, as a that's guide, you. That's you at a different level. I mean, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, I know. I, I get that. But I'm talking about high-end anglers, you yeah. know, that fish tournaments and this and that and you still hear the you know the guys speaking but sometimes that angler doesn't see as well as you do well i like to think what i was saying there i like to think that i'm going to tell i'm going to talk with everything i know hopefully not to confuse the angler but the angler knows what he's doing he's sort of there and he he may pick up on something that mm -hmm. i'm saying that he didn't realize like oh i didn't realize i was so long you know hey no 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 you're long you're long you're long he's then he gets the bite because maybe it'll help. And right. I hope it's sure. not confusing. And I, I you know, I, well, I'm you gotta, open. Yeah. And you've got to weigh that out with who you're speaking right. with in the anglers too. Right. But I think that, uh, well, you, you were talking about long leaders. We were fishing with Nathaniel Linville yeah. a couple of days ago. My God, this guy throws 210 feet. With his a, nail knot, with his a fly foot. is so far out there somewhere. I don't even, I'm like, <laughs> it's man, unbelievable. are you somewhere near your, I can't see his fly. I'm like, dude, that thing is long. You know, in permanent fishing, that's different because it's more of a drop, you know, sure. kind of, it's a different game. Sure. You know? But the, especially on a, you know, you get a cloudy day or, or where the viz is tough and I can see the the nail knot, you know, I, I, I want to know about right where that fly is because it's all about that little, it's, it's, it's inches right. where you're going to get the bite or where you're not going to get the bite. See, you know? I've always been a big advocate of wait for your shot. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah, yeah. Then, then when you put the fly in there, it's in the exact Well, I'm big on right that. Spot. I'm always telling people, wait, wait, wait. Let me get the boat right where I want it. Okay, now go. Take, you know, make that first right. shot. Don't just start throwing it out there early and, and get all messed up. You, you know? know, and I don't I don't want to uh, poo-poo Nathaniel. I mean, he should have won the Gold Cup last year. They yeah. strapped a fish that should have been uh, caught as a release. Yeah. They would have won. So he's a he's obviously an incredibly world high-end, world-class angler winning all these you know, permit right. tournaments, and you should have won a tarpon tournament. Well, everybody's got his, their style, right? His, Every, it's a different style. There's that, not one way. There's not one no, way. No, there's not. And he does his thing, and he believes in that long leader. And, right. it, it, and you know, if, if the angler has that confidence, you know, and, and, and if his guide is on a boat, if everybody on the boat has that confidence of what they're going to do, uh, that's what they need to go with. Right. You know, don't try to do what the other guy's doing, uh, you right. know, to a point when you're learning, okay, let's try that. But once you find your own groove, you know, you got to stick with it and believe in it, knowing that if you stick with it, that's what we always did. We came up with our, our system and our thing and just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And, and, and it'll eventually come out. Yeah. You know, well, tell me about your run here. So, you know, Dave and you have five wins in three years. You win two gold cups, two hollies, a golden fly. Yeah. You know, Scott, you know, in nine years, you've got eight tarpon wins, five permit wins, and a bonefish win. But you guys were only together for three years. No, well, we fished more than three years. Well, total. Or your I wins. Mean, four years. But but shortly after, so like in the holly, mm -hmm. you guys won an 08. 07 and 08. Oh, yeah, 07 08. But in 09, it was Fordyce and Duncan. In right. 2011, you win with, with Greg Smith. Mm -hmm. So In the Holly, yeah. Yeah, yeah in, in the Holly. So how come you guys didn't hang in there for like 10 years? Well, I'm, well my recollection was, you know, we we're still friends and, and we were fishing and we made a mark. And, um, you know, it, it just so happened. I, what I recall was like, you know, he was going through some transition as, as far as moving and new jobs and stuff. And like I said, fishing these things is a big financial commitment, you know? Um, and so, 
and, and going back to what he said about he always wants me to be successful because you know and then greg and i started fishing a little bit you know when we came we started doing permit tournaments and and then and and you know he wanted me for everything he was gonna he was fishing me over 50 days a year you know smith was smith was and so and it's like well we'll do the tournament and you didn't have that kind of time yeah i mean i I definitely we did some permit fishing together and we did some permit tournaments together a couple and they were difficult for me i'll be honest with you and you know nat can speak to that but mentally permit tournaments i think are much even tougher in some regards than tarpon tournaments and it isn't just because i was more successful but mentally those tournaments are very difficult so i focused on tarpon fishing and again you know and you have to understand too, from a guide's perspective, the tournaments do not, it's not like winning the Bassmaster Classic for a bass fisherman. Okay, he's win gonna, a lot of money. He's gonna win a million dollars. He's gonna get all these sponsorships. He's essentially set now. Right. It's not that way for skiff guides. Sure, does it raise your stature? Absolutely. You know, Bear Holman just won the Golden Fly. You know, he's a pretty well-known guy beforehand. Is it gonna change his life that he won the, no, the Golden Fly? No, there's no money in this. Tomorrow, he's got to find fish just like he never won it before. If his clients are coming in, they need to find fish. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. So, but for Scott, you know, professionally, it became apparent that, you know, he needed to have some of his other clients step in. So I appreciate that. He was like looking out for me. He's like, here's a guy that's willing to, you know, he's already fishing a bunch with somebody else, but he's going to switch to you. And, and, um, and he's willing to fish all these days and and uh you know i'm not ready to make that commitment at this time i just can't i don't I remember you're moving or something you know whatever was going on and and, it was and just so a natural progression it, it yeah just, i mean it I'm just so, changed you know it just changed well let's go to there the was per- no bad blood there was no nothing it let's, was just a, a switch you know we greg i fished the holly three times in 07 08 and 09 and then after that scott and i did the gold cup and the golden fly in 2010 and 2011 right and then i retired well, let's talk about the perfect year. You know, you win the Gold Cup the first time you fish it in 08. You win again the next year, 09. But in 08, you guys win all three tarpon tournaments. Yep. What does that mean to you guys? I mean, nobody has ever done this before. I mean, you know, I can be honest with you. It came at us so fast. I mean, we got into these things, and all of a sudden, we were just like, we were off to the races. And it was almost like, wow. I mean, it was like all these eyes are on us. You know, we're trying to just... You know, and I knew all you, the tradition and all the hide. names. You can't hide anymore. There's no hiding. <laughs> you know, and I was like, man, you know, I remember the, the the first the first holly we won on day one. It was right after weather like this, and then it, it calmed out a little bit, and we were we were just whacking them. I mean, we ended up with six fish on the first day of the holly. You know, in fact, I that, remember Andy. You came up to me on day one of the holly. You don't remember this, but you came up to me and you were like are you the effers that caught six fish today? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he, you just shook your head and walked off. I and- think that was my last year. You put, <laughs> you put me out of the game. <laughs> but it was but like- I remember by Wednesday, you were already, you were already a fan and you were like, Oh yeah, man. Just, you know, keep fishing and do what you're doing. And it was, it was really phenomenal to, to but, have that. But it was acceptance. like, it was amazing. I mean, we were catching them. And after like on fish six, I remember hooking it, running off. I go, dude, I, I don't know if they're going to believe us. You know I mean? Like I, I was like worried. I was like, dude, we are crushing them, you know, and, you had bad weather or was it good weather? No, it was beautiful weather right after some shit, really bad weather. That was, a, it was okay. a little tropical system went through. I don't know if you remember that it was, Oh, that was Oh seven where like they hatched everywhere and there was not a fin to be seen on right. all the bridges, you know, I and all of a sudden they pop back out luckily luckily smitty and, and drew were behind us because they pulled up like holy shit because they saw the whole thing go down we're like i'm like oh thank you you saw the whole thing because interesting you guys win the holly in 07 i won in 06 
Did you? Okay, with Paul? With Paul. And the first day, we had 11 on. I lost all 11. Oh, gosh. And I I went and tied my uh, 12-pound tippet to the the ball of my, uh, you know, my trailer hitch. And I I stood back and and tried to figure out what the hell am I doing wrong? I would just, you know, in the next four days, we caught 19. Mm. And then... Right after that, it was like I couldn't catch another fish in the holly. <laughs> you know, it comes. So in that waves. was my swang song. And the, well, the, the, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's like you know. I mean, I just look. I never was a big fan of the holly because I wanted to catch right. big fish. Right. And running up and breaking fish off. Right. It's was a not different game. Bag. It's a hooking tournament. Yeah, yeah. it's a hooking I'm, tournament for sure. And you guys were in a perfect spot. You know, with a lot, a of, lot fish of fish swimming, swimming and we had a technique that was rapid fire. It was really know? good, but but. So let's talk about the the the, the perfect season again. Yeah. You know what? How much did that mean to you? Well, it was again. It almost took a while to sink in because it was like I almost felt like I, 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 for me, I was like, man, we are like all of a sudden. Who are these guys? Nobody knew who we were. We came out of nowhere. Now we're just winning everything. It was kind of like I was worried about some animosity, you know, towards us, you know. And it was just like everybody was cool and and. Uh, but it, it was a little tough, you know, and it was just like, wow, this is, I can't believe this is happening, you know, because, but it sort of happened in a weird way because in 08, we were in the Golden Fly, we won. We were in the Holly, we won. We were not signed up for the Gold Cup because it was full. We couldn't I get in. I remember. They could not get in. I remember. This is a good story. The board, the board agreed to let you guys to have a chance well, to win. We were booked. Three. We were so, booked yeah, for re- that week. I remember I was in the airport post night shift which i often was flying down and we already had the on, a time sunday, on a sunday on a before sunday before the Gold morning, cup. i was post night shift and i called scott and i had talked with charlotte and i was like dude we just can't get in we were bummed i said we'll just shadow fish it this week you know in anticipation of being able to do this in in future some someday yeah. and i and i and he I, he said that's fine you know and and i hung up and i was legit getting on the plane and my phone rang and it was charlotte and she told me, hey, you know, a spot opened up in the Gold Cup. Do you want to fish? And I was, I hung up so quick and called Scott. And I remember him telling me, listen, don't go crazy and tie up, stay up all night tonight, tying 40 liters. Just take it easy. And I remember. One day I, at a time. Yeah. yeah. I drove all the way down to Big Pine. I got my stuff. I drove all the way back up to Alamrana for the anglers meeting. And I remember helping Charlotte afterwards, like carry the trophy down. And I remember thinking this, you know, and I, we'd already won three tarpon tournaments by now but i remember feeling that roger fowler sculpture in my hand and thinking you know this is another level this is something special this is amazing this is something that i want your dream came true and i remember the first day we fished was monday and i'd already legit i'd fished four and we'd already won three times and i was super nervous even that morning fishing the gold cup and I was like, man, David, what's going on with you? Why are you like this? This is nothing. And we caught like... I remember that day we caught four releases. We caught four releases. and we, But we felt like it was Sunday, a warm-up day, because it was just, it all happened so fast. And there was nobody, but no boats around us that day. We were all this, by ourselves all day. You, you know? weren't even anticipating being in the tournament. All of a totally sudden not. you were in. Or we were just in it. And we caught four releases on the first day. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine texted me and was like, hey, man, you know, how did it feel when you came back? And I think it was either Julian or Rob. They caught a big weight and three or four releases. And you know, all we had were just some small releases. And I was like, well, you know, I, I was still super tired from it's the five night days. before. Yeah. I said, five yeah. days. I said, Places I told long. him, I yeah. kind of did tell him, I kind of did tell him we, we had a pretty good relationship. He's a great angler too. And uh, I said, don't worry tomorrow. I said, I'm, I'm just getting started. And we went out and caught 
two weights and a couple more releases and we had enough points by Tuesday to have already won for the week. Yeah, and that was our first goal cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a sleigh, but it was. You made it, but we we did good enough. It's all about win, winning. You know, yeah, yeah. We caught a, a weight later in the week, I think, on Thursday or Friday, and that was that was enough. I think kind of sealed it. What did you think when you first realized you guys had won all I mean, three? I mean, that was. Did like, you cry? The, it was choked up. I mean, it's like, but just winning the gold cup, first of all, you know, it's almost like those I other, cried. The, the, those I won my first yeah. goal. I, I cried. Yeah. It, but it, I'm, I'm a crier. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am too, but it was like, it, it came out of so fast. It was almost surreal that it didn't take till later. It took years later for me to just to finally settle down and realize what I did, you know, right. or what we did together, you know, just that I was even a part of that and, 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 and went through that, you know, it was like, wow. And, and, and you know, but then the next day I got to go to work. You know, I just go to work and it's like, I got to go fishing tomorrow, you know, which I was appreciative, but it's like, wow, you know, I still got to go fishing. Well, you won tournaments over a period of nine years and you've won five tournaments in three years. Is there any sort of a future comeback as a team? We talk about it. Um, I mean, I think there's a certain amount of burnout. You know, I mean, I, I, he and I fished and then, and then Greg and I fished them all for a bunch of years and man, dealt with a lot of weather and, and you know, and, and just, they wear on you, you yeah, know, you don't sure. win all the time, you know, they're tough, they're taxing. Yeah. Um, the thing is too, that I realized, I mean, I won, you know, most of mine over a period of seven years. Yeah. Right. And then I came back, um, and I won my last tournament. Uh, in 2015, yes. that was an 18 oh, yeah, year when you span. came back for that. Yeah. 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 So that's, that was, that was a cool win. Yeah. Right. So, you know, your time was on your side, but when I had finally gotten out of it, it's like one, I had lost my family, you know, I got a divorce, Hoover left. And mm-hmm. now it's like, I don't give a shit. Right. I tried for a couple of years and it was just wrong. Right. You know, it was gone, but burnout is a real thing. Yeah. And I get that. Uh, would it, your life would has it, to be in order too, right? Sure. To, 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 to play and be successful. But it would not, it would not, um, so where I'm thinking of it, it would not elevate your, your record in the success you've had. Right. You've already, you, if you win again, you're just proving that you can win. Well, it's like, when, so why would you want to come back because, uh, remember, and lose? Remember? Well, yeah, that's true. That would suck. But you, you know, know, when, when Fordyce asked me to come back and try one more time, I'd been out of the game for about eight years. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, with, I've always wanted to fish with him. And I thought, why not? But to come back and win is, is great, but to come you're expected to win. Yeah. You know, right. like you guys, all eyes are on you. Yeah. All eyes are on you. So to come back and it's not like you have something to prove you already, you've already won. Right. So right. my question right. is, are you um, are you thinking can we about lose? it? Or, yeah. Are you are uh, yeah. you are you okay with lose coming back fishing yeah. and losing? No, I mean I think we've talked about it, and yes, the answer is yes. I mean I w- I will say it's extremely difficult for me only because um, you know I'm out there as we talked about as tarpon season seems to be shrinking. You know, um, April May June for me making a living is more important than ever. Um, and I have my clients, which I've boiled them down to over the years, people I have incredible relationships with. They're all my best friends, um, uh, not best friends, but you know, you know what I mean? We have incredible relationships and, and they expect, and, and they're in the game. So how do I squeeze in a gold cup out of, out of, out of, out of, out of, out of nowhere? You know, right. how, who do, who's not going to fish? 
And, and maybe it, it doesn't happen in year one. Maybe it takes us, and we've talked about that. Can we lose? Are we, are we, are we good enough to handle losing? Yeah, for sure. There's but, some, there, I mean. But are you willing to be committed to five years well, trying to win I again? actually told them that. I said, look, if you want to, if and when that week or something in my schedule opens up, if you want to take it and own it, and then and put your name back on the list because he'll have priority to get back in. Let's do it. And if we have to fit, ideally we fish that week for the rest of our lives <laughs> as long as right. I can push. You know right. that would be great. I would love that. Um, would you it, ascertain fishing Nikki in the Gold Cup? Sure. Yeah. You, you would. <laughs> 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 Nikki, did you hear that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're just gonna have to tell. Uh, wow, uh, wow. You're gonna have to tell Bob, who has that week, uh, convince him that he's he's sitting hey, on the hey, sidelines. Hey, Bob, I'll give you my house in Aspen. <laughs> there you go. For Christmas, right? We'll make a trade. This is all business, right? That's it's about, a business. That's thing. about what yeah. it's gonna take with Scott these days. Well, it's. Uh, do you guys have anything to add? I think we covered a pretty good. Well, I wanted to here. say we skipped over. I want to say as far as changing the game. I mean, we. we in, in my mind, you took it to another level before. Right before I got into guiding, I mean. Um, you know, Dave and I talked all the time, you know, Andy, this, Andy, that, you know, because oh, you, I mean, you, much of my methods were patterned. After yeah. That. You brought you it know. to the forefront, you know, uh, 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 in a different light, uh, fishing and details and the way you were catching and, and all that. So, I mean, we were really, I mean, uh, Dave used to always joke, tell Andy, I'm coming. That's right. Tell Andy, <laughs> tell Andy I'm Andy. coming. He did. Tell Andy, you I'm came, coming. Buddy. He came, You know, came, so, dude. Dave. Come on, bro. You <laughs> came. Yeah, you came. Right. No, it was that, that was actually after a good day at Tarpon Alley, and I, we caught some fish, and I turned around, and I told him, tell Andy, I'm coming. And even <laughs> when Chasing Silver, the original, came out, I remember I was driving around in Charleston, and Scott texted me and told me about it. He said, don't watch this. You're going to go nuts. And, I mean, I watched that thing. A hundred times, and much of our technique is. Why patterned. did you think he was going to go nuts after seeing Chasing Silver? Just, just the. I mean, it was so, cool. so well done. So that, well done. Those films, so cool. The opening, the opening segment was just mind blowing. And then what you and Hoover, you know, were doing back then, and and um, you know, it, actually, it's a funny story about that. Your camera boat guy was a Jamie Howard. Your, oh, your camera, camera boat. boat. Yeah, the guy that drove your camera boat is a guy from the from up in central florida eric perez right and i met him through another guy that i met in central florida and he and i actually came down and fished some of the places that you fished in sugarloaf after that and so you know i mean here i was you know i was kind of chasing all that and you know the Pacifics that I use. I mean, I carried three Pacifics on the boat. Dave definitely patterned himself out of things you After you were we doing. Yeah. You know, he's. Pacific, I, I think Pacific I was one of the first to use two. a bigger yeah. bigger reels. I yeah. used a, and I used a spool too, and I used Power Pro backing, and I even cut the back end of my fly line off because we were trying, like Scott said, we're trying to slice it thin. We're trying to gain every advantage we can. Right. Yeah. When you're fishing the Holly with twelve pound. You don't need 110 feet of fly line you out there dragging drag. around. You yeah. need less drag. Yeah. And I'm using a spool two Pacific. You know, they don't even build that anymore. It's super wide and, and has a big arbor and it's super light. Because the Pacific, as you know, that's a reel most people really can't handle. It's too right. big. Right. Too much backing. And he it. throws it like you would. I mean, you guys have same same stroke throwing. Very, very similar. You guys remind me if I when I watch you fish, you, you fish somewhat, you know. So, I mean, smoothness, accuracy, and just your motions, you know. So. Well, well, thanks thanks for that. No, you I know? mean, and I remember, you know. You another, were an inspiration to us. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, for sure. sure. When I was in the tournaments every night on my bedside dresser there at the at the Bluefin Inn right there by the Lorelei where I stayed. <laughs> Pretty funny. But I had three things with me. I had 
uh, a picture of my family. I had an, a letter that I wrote to Billy Pate when I was like 18 years old, when he still had Worldwide Sportsman. I wrote him a letter as if I knew how to tarpon fish, and he wrote me a handwritten letter back. Wow. And I had uh, an outline that you did of one of your seminars for tarpon fishing with a note on there about, you know, too much of a spaz to catch tarpon, you should stick to snapper. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> you did say that to him. I, I had, that. and I, all three of those things I would keep with me. It was like super inspirational. I mean, even pulling on the bucket, I would tell people all the time, like there's so much information out there. If you just read what Andy's writing, Rob's book, other articles, a great article by John O'Hearn, you know, you can know what you're doing without even doing it. Right. You become one. You become one with the animal. Yeah, for sure. You you have to dial. You can be it. one. You become one with the wind, the current, the boat, as you do. Right. It's so poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. Uh, I want to take a, a quick break here, just for a quick second. I want to find something here that I'm gonna paraphrase. When I called Jonah Hearn about you, he said something to the tune of, you are the most spectacular piece of poetry he's ever seen in the bow of his skiff. Maybe not the exact words, but summarizing, that's what he said about you. Nathaniel Linville said the same. You've never seen such precision in your life than when you see Dave DeLue cast a fish. Now, those are words coming from the best. Right. I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, in, in, it comes from a deep passion of studying it and thinking about it. I mean, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I, I mean, I, and I, I mean, and that's I know what your history is, you know, and it's like because he, he, he cares about it and he thinks about it and he studies and, and, he, and he, he questions himself constantly, you know, and and. He slices it thin, and I think it's made him better, even in post-tournament years, that his his hookup ratios are uh, to bite, bite to hook, to catch ratios are are they're so narrow. They're more narrow than anybody I know in the game, or ever been in the game. Did being an emergency room doctor make your fishing better, or your fishing make your ability to work in the emergency room better? Well, I think. I mean, are you this precise and so uh, anal and OCD? I mean, with fishing, no, I don't see anybody really having maybe, yeah, there are, I I don't want to say that you're the the most uh, anal because I know there are others out there too, but I'm sure. I think it's about paying attention to details that matter. And and being a doctor, you have to have that. Yeah, and being effective, you know, it's, but I see that with your passion as a young man, talking about hunting and fishing and reading all these books. You had dreams. Well, um, and it's not just about level. fishing. When he takes on something, you know, before and I knew skeet him, shooting, you're a national. Uh, uh, he's a national skeet. competitor in skeet shooting. You right. know, um, big bow I, hunter, well. bow hunting, and he goes. You know, he's he's done it all. Before I knew him, he was an avid duck hunter. You know, and mm-hmm. and he knows more about that. He never and I really did it. But then he got into fishing, and then and and bow hunting, and uh, now he's now he's competing with the shotgun, you know, and we're competing against world champions. I see his name right in there in the mix of the top of the list on right. these competitions, and I'm like, 
you know, and, and everybody, I mean, anybody that knows anything about him, they're like his hand-eye coordination. He's got a talent for hand-eye coordination that I, I, very, very few people have. Yeah. I mean, he should have taken up golf Hockey as players. a young guy. Hockey, yeah, I, yeah. I was never much of a ball sport guy, but I guess, you know. You could have done it. If, if, if he had taken up golf, I think, at a young age, that he would have been he would, he would a lot more financially. <laughs> that would be a lot more financially successful because these sports are all net outflow of money. Right. <laughs> yeah, you pay to win. In. Pay to win. So, I think, you know, the biggest thing is really just that I, I really do believe that I was, you know, sometimes people, you know, I was destined to come down here and do this in the Keys. And I just feel so fortunate to be down here, to have my house on Big Pine and to be near all of this. It's like, I wish I had another lifetime to experience all of it. And, I, you know, I just love fishing so much. Now right. it's, you know, it's branched into my kids are older. And so we're going out and doing that. I'm trying to learn some offshore fishing, which is incredibly diverse here in the Keys. It's funny, Scott and I joke all the time. Tarpon fishing on flies, like you grab a spool, a tippet, and a box of flies, you can go out and have a great day. That's all you need. Right. Yeah. You Offshore stuff is a non oh my gosh, nightmare. It's, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, I still, at the end of the day, I mean, we've caught big bonefish in Alamrano. We've caught 30-pound permit on fly. You know, all those things that we do, the fishing down here, I try not to tell people how great it is and how much I love it, but once I started fishing down here, I see these ads for going to the Seychelles or going to Cuba and it just, this place is really, it's it's an amazing fishery despite some of its shortcomings. Some of the good things is bone fishing is coming back in the lower keys. We're seeing a lot more of those fish and hopefully that trend continues. Yeah. Well, in summary, I'd like to just say thank you guys for letting everybody understand the dynamics of this evolution and how you guys changed the game and won at such a monster level. Um, and being such great friends yeah. before you ever even, you know, fathomed winning all these tournaments. Right. But also, too, you had this dream and you had this dream. I had this dream. Right. And just for the audience that might be listening, um, you don't know what's possible until you dream at that level. Right. And you dedicate your life to doing this, as we did. Right. And you combine yourself with a great team, a great army, because no one wins alone. Right. Let's get this straight. It's a team sport. You got to have yeah. family members, wives, right. and yeah. children understand that you're gone right. for lengths of time. You know, and unfortunately, it takes a little bit of money to be able to hire guides and, and do that. But putting that aside, dreams are realized through a lot of hard work and continuous dreaming. Right. It, and you guys are testament to that lifetime journeys you know yeah, it really you. really is you know yeah well thank you so thank much you. on thank behalf you for of having Nikki us and, and, I. and uh i mean i we, i definitely appreciate you know getting all this stuff down on get it on the record you it's know for on, people i don't mean us but i mean you know just all these so many people you're interviewing that they're the ones that i looked up to when i was a kid you know for them to hear it straight from them you heard the stories and the rumors and then it's it's uh it's fascinating. It's great that it's being recorded and it's there. You know, For the, the rest of time, yeah, you can right. go to the internet, look at Millhouse, <laughs> right, and find out because right. otherwise you it just guys fades. succeeded. Yeah, it it, it's away. a it's a myth. It's a rumor. Right. Uh, it's a story. Right, and that's our vision: is to preserve history, preserve storytelling, yep. and preserving how people, you know, attained great success. Because it's such a great game that we all, uh, you know, we we all know that feeling when this game was new to us all. How that feeling i mean it's not there for me in the same way and i'm sure ever it's again it, it, never again but it was so consuming it was just like that was your focus i feel like you know? i didn't sleep for 15 years yeah <laughs> exactly. i couldn't stop time flies leaders thinking you know i was in aspen as a skier 
you know, going. You're just literally navigating your life to to do it and to do win. it more and, and to win and, and to chase the fish and to be in the scene, you yeah. know, and, and all Do that. you think you could have been this good of a of a guide and an angler if you didn't want to win tournaments? It uh, it definitely ups your game. There's no doubt because now you're going against guys that are good and 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 you're under all kinds of constraints with leader constraints, uh, clock on the clock. You're fighting for spots. You're um, you're got to be perfect. You got to be perfect. You got to be the best that you can. And 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 what otherwise what would drive you? Because you know you catch a couple. You know yeah, you're it's relaxed. A, it's a great day. Yeah. But but when a tournament you catch five, yeah. you're not relaxed. You got to catch seven. You got to catch more. And then nine. Because we yeah. always joke. No matter what tournament we we you catch one and you're like. Thank God we got that one. Thankfully, now we're good. We're good. And then about an hour goes by, you're like, we're fucked. We need, we need another one. We need another one. To Harry used to say, I'm over that last fish. <laughs> right? Well, now they caught up with us. The other guys are right. just past us. We need another one. We need God, another one. The, 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 your brain can just get oh. go right down the... Uh, proverbial tube and it, and it messes with you sometimes the it's abyss out there the abyss. And, and they might not, not not have caught anything but you that you know they have some of the battles we've had right next to right next to rob and carlos i mean just trading punches it was a slug fest you know one after you another. catch a fish they catch two you catch one and it was just back and forth i mean one day we caught 19 right next to each other yeah you we, know we caught nine and he, he caught, caught 10, 10 and we every in both boats watched every one how you know? fun is that dude i mean it was looking back it was fun but it was I did it that was, with Thane and Brewer. Out of yeah, 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 we won the Holly. Oh yeah, you know we both caught seven. We bought, we beat them on time. But we were right <laughs> next to each other. Just watch it because every time you they get one, I mean, is as they're all your friends. But stuff, we're cheering. But you're, yeah. you're cheering for Robin and, and Duncan. Uh, no, no, no. Like, oh, they got another one. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, you know, if, trust me, they were saying the same thing. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, back at the dock, it's all cool. And when it's over, it's over, you know. But, yeah. you know, during the battle, like, they get intense. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're intense yeah. moments. A, yeah, it's about winning. It's all about winning. Well, again, thank, thank you guys you. so much. Thank you. You know, thank Dave, you. it's been a great pleasure thank to you. know you and, and see your, your, your rise you. to, you know, the great level that you've you've risen to. And Scott, thank you've you, always buddy. been one of the great the one of the more friendly guides the most lovable guides of all the florida keys everybody loves you well, so much and they that. respect I'm... your success at such an enormous level and to have these words that uh o'hearn and nathaniel and others have spoken about you guys that should be close to your heart. well i mean I, I appreciate that all i ever wanted to be was you know i want to work hard i want to please my clients and i want to be known as a as a as a, a good guy that you know was a good guy that tried hard you know i mean i i all this stuff came upon and it happened out and I'm thankful for it, but that wasn't the, uh, from day one, the goal. So I get that. But yeah. Anyway, you guys have, uh, attained all of the above. So again, thank you on behalf of Nikki and I to join us. Here thank you for podcast. having us. Appreciate it. Thanks buddies. Absolutely. The Deleu and Collins story will go down in tarpon fishing history, period. We hope you enjoyed their path to greatness as their methodology has undoubtedly changed the game as we once knew it. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll see you again soon. Just a ride.